When you're stopped in traffic, what's your first instinct? To patiently wait? Yeah, probably not. We don't like being stopped in our tracks, especially in life when unexpected things make us pump the brakes. We might feel annoyed, helpless, and confused, much like the man in today's episode. So can anything good be found in times when we're forced to stop? We'll find out. Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man who, after a horrific accident, spent months in surgeries and remission. His life was put on pause, but we'll see just what began in him on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Part two of the classic true story of Tim Lee. Let us know your address as soon as you get there, okay? I will. Oh, you look so sharp in that uniform, Tim. Is it okay to hug you? <laughs> of course, Mom. Go with God, son. We'll be praying for you. Yes. God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. Go with the Lord. I will, Mom and Dad. This time I will. I can't do it, God. I can't live for you in Vietnam. Those men are Marines. They would laugh at me, ridicule me for such a radical change in behavior. Let the chaplain and Lee Gore do it. Someday I'll live for you. But not yet. Hit the ground, mortar! Shut up and keep your eyes open. The sergeant's still alive. He stepped on a landmine. Corman! Covor chopper! A medevac! Fast! He's alive! He's alive! Lord, help him, Lee. Let him die. Give him one more chance. Please, let him live. Last week, we heard how the young man in our story, an athlete in high school and son of a preacher, had been running away from those who loved him. In this conclusion of his two-part story, we'll hear how Tim Lee stopped running. This is his true testimony from the classic files of Unshackled. I had gone through the Marine Corps training at Paris Island and Camp Lejeune with Lee Gore a man who loved the Lord and wasn't ashamed to show it, unlike me. I had rebelled against all authority until the Marine Corps taught me otherwise. Lee and I flew together on the airplane to Vietnam. Long flight? Yeah. You have a good time on leave with your family? Yeah, I did. Saw some old friends, too. Were you a jock in high school, Tim? Mm, I guess you could say that. I was a four-letter man. Football? Football, baseball, and basketball. I set two records in the long jump and high hurdles. No wonder the men look up to you. You can reach them, Tim. Reach them? Yes, reach them for Jesus. It's up to people like you and me to show them the way. We're going to Vietnam to fight a war, Lee. Yes, but we're fighting a bigger war, a spiritual one. Against the oldest enemy of mankind, yeah, yeah, I know. Guys who aren't saved will have a harder time dealing with the loneliness and fear of war 
You may be right. That's why they turn to drugs and alcohol. We can help them. Show them the way. Maybe you can. I... I can't. Why not? These guys are Marines. They're also men that Christ died for. Most of them are gonna face death without knowing him as their savior. That's why we have chaplains, Lee. Well, I'm gonna stretch my legs. We'll be landing soon. There's the coastline of Vietnam. Look, on the horizon. Those light flashes. Incoming rounds exploding. People are dying down there. Yeah. We're about to step into a violent new world. Yeah, and this is for real. Remember that Marine Corps slogan? Nobody wants to fight, but somebody better know how. We know how. And thank God we know Jesus. As we landed in Da Nang in July 1970, fear settled in my heart. But our training quickly took over. A colonel who briefed us on arrival said, we hope this is the closest you ever come to living under a communist government. The months passed quickly, though, as I became proficient in field duty. My specialty was landmine detection. I was promoted to sergeant. Hey, you guys here, they call us murderers now? Who? Protesters back home. They don't know what we face over here. Yeah, the guy who's your barber in the daytime puts on his black pajamas and throws a hand grenade at night. Or plants a landmine. That actress led the way, going up to Hanoi and siding with the commies, the traitor. This is a war like no other. I think wars are all alike. No, this one is being fought on the six o'clock news. Makes me so mad. Our POWs sit in rat-infested cages up north, and those punk kids at home call us names. We're fighting for their freedom. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we should forgive them. Let them repent first. Yeah. Yeah. Got that right, man. God says if we don't forgive others, he won't forgive us. Can the sermon, Gore? This is war. Yes, it is. But there's sheep being led by Satan and those who follow him. They're cowards. Burning their draft cards and running off to Canada or wherever they can find a hide. Waiting for the war to end so they can come back to enjoy the freedoms that we've fought to protect. What if men done that during the Revolutionary War? I think they did. Some of them went to the British side. Traitors. All traitors. Not everyone can be a Marine. We're here to defend our country, our flag, and our families. And each other. Corporal Gore was an inspiration to me, though I never once told him so. His consistency as a Christian brought heavy conviction to my heart and mind. Letters from my parents reminded me that I had failed to live up to my promise to them and to God. The next nine months passed quickly. We engaged the enemy in several firefights, and I learned what it felt like to take a life. I didn't enjoy that, but it went with the job. I was down to my last 30 days in Vietnam. I hear you were offered a desk job, Sarge. I didn't take it. Why not? Same reason you didn't. The men need me. The new men? Yeah. All they've had is stateside training. And you know that's not enough to survive out there in the jungle. There's nothing like a field trip to give a man experience. And there's one tomorrow. I just got orders to lead another one. Where? An abandoned road in Quang Nam province. I'm going too. You bet. Couldn't do without you, Lee. How many guys we taking? The usual, 15 to 20. 
This road hasn't been swept in two years. You don't have to go on this one, Sarge. You're a short-timer. I'm going. It's my duty to train them personally. The next morning at 7, we began our assignment in the field, arriving by chopper. Normally, I would have walked in the rear of the formation with the radio man, the corpsman, and the lieutenant. But I wanted to walk point to show the new men the procedure. Gore was the second man in the formation. At noon, we stopped for sea rations. What a road! Old bomb craters everywhere. Some of them gotta be 20 feet wide and 6 feet deep. The French probably built it before we ever got here. Sarge, what do you say I take over point this afternoon? Let me finish up the day. Tomorrow you can take the point. If you change your mind, let me know. All right, let's go, Marines! Same separation? Single file. Two or three meters. We continued down the road looking for landmines, punji pits, and undetonated rounds. We walked through a section of tall elephant grass to a clearing where the grass was knee-high. The crumbled remains of a Buddhist temple glared at us. Unwittingly, we had just walked into a Viet Cong minefield. My boot landed squarely on a mine that tossed me into the air as a deafening blast ripped through my body. I blacked out and came to with my head resting on Lee Gore's lap. He was sobbing and praying. Oh. Save him. Save him, Lord. All I saw was a cloud of black smoke. I can't believe he survived that. Hey, look at his M16. It's blown in half. Here, use my T-shirt. Soak up all the blood. Don't let him die, Lord. Please save him. Oh, God. Not my legs. Please, Lord. If you get me home to Mom and Dad alive, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Please, Lord. Please. Here comes the chopper. Set up another smoke grenade. I was flown out to sea to the hospital ship Sanctuary, where my life was touch and go for weeks. I had never known such pain in my life. The next day, Lee Gore was flown out to the ship to see me. I don't remember his being there, but he talked with a corpsman about my condition. Yeah, he's in and out of consciousness. A lot of pain, even with morphine. Is he gonna make it? Doesn't look good. Most of his feet are gone, and his legs are badly mangled. He stepped on a 60-pound box mine. Well, then he's lucky to be alive at all. Yes. I've seen him blow a man to pieces. His body is full of infection, too, from the blast. Shrapnel went into his arms and forehead. At least he's alive. Thank God for that. Yeah, but <laughs> he may wish he'd died. I'm praying for him. You tell him that when he's awake again. In spite of his deep faith, Lee Gore went back to our squad and told them that I probably wouldn't make it. My future looked dubious to everyone. Two Marines went to tell my parents. Wanda, I can hardly believe that it's Tim they were talking about. I, I had to wait here with them for two hours, J.R. Well, they wouldn't tell me what was wrong with him until you arrived. Oh, my Lord, I can't imagine how you endured that wait. I had to prepare my heart for the worst. God, God help me, but it was so difficult. Tim's been wounded in action. He, he's on the hospital ship sanctuary. They've 
amputated part of his legs. He's in critical condition. Oh, God. Oh, God, I have mercy. Oh, please, please don't let him die. We must pray for him as never before, Wanda. Folks, we'll get back to Tim's story in just a moment, but first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. Dot org and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now let's get back to Tim's story. I was wounded in early March, 1971. Even the doctors didn't think I'd make it because of the many complications. I spent four weeks on the hospital ship, and the few memories I have are too painful to recount. Then I was flown to Guam. Two days later, they flew me to the Philadelphia Naval Hospital, where I lay in Ward 1A for amputees. This is the pits, man. Yeah, it is. What kind of life is it when you can't do anything for yourself? Just when I think I can start healing, they want to cut some more. Pretty soon there won't be anything left of my legs. And then they expect you to get up and move around. I'd like to see them try. How long you been here? Eight months. You? I don't know. But I sure want to go home. Don't we all? It's so hard to believe that this has happened to me. What? Being here like this. I want to get up and run around like I've always done. I don't like being helpless. Man. It's hard to believe. Well, believe it, man. We're never gonna walk again. My parents lived in Illinois, and although they couldn't afford it, they drove to Philadelphia to see me. I was told they were coming, and I kept watching for them. There were 30 men in our ward, and I was halfway down. They finally came through the doors looking for me. When they saw me, they ran to my bed, one on each side. While other doctors, nurses, patients, and families looked on, we wept unashamedly and uncontrollably, expressing our love, hugging each other. There had been times growing up when I wouldn't tell them I loved them, but now I didn't care who heard me. Mom and Dad turned out to be my best friends. Are they controlling the pain, son? Mostly, but there are times when it's unbearable. Oh, there were times when we weren't sure you'd make it based on the telegrams. We got more than 30 telegrams while you were on that ship. Yeah, our Marine came several times, too. That's good. Oh, 
We've prayed for you fervently, son. I've been praying too, Dad. God spared my life, and I told him I'd do whatever he wants with my life now. He can still use you, Tim. Remember, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Every day I have to tell myself that. Month after month I endured surgery and the recovery that followed. In July, my parents came again. Doctors decided it would be good for me to go home for a visit before the next surgery. So I flew to St. Louis, and my parents met the flight driving me home. The next day, I went to church with them, and everyone greeted me warmly. For you, Tim. We love you, Tim. Hang in there, Tim. I want to thank you for your prayers, but I also want to ask your forgiveness. Why, Tim? What for? <laughs> I was wild and rebellious before I joined the Marines, and I did some things I regret. I brought shame to my family's name and my father's ministry here, and I want you to know that will never happen again. I have promised God that I will live for Christ for the rest of my life. When they came to visit me in July, mother had told me about a new family that joined our church with a daughter named Connie. She was in my Sunday school class, and it was love at first sight. I was Sunday school, Tim. Great, Mom. I met that girl you told me about. Connie? Oh, isn't she nice? Yeah, the family joined the church right after you went to Vietnam. She promised to write me when I go back to the hospital. Oh, I, then I'm sure she will. I'm so glad I came home for a visit. I feel a lot better about my future. Now, how much longer will you be there, son? Maybe four months. One more surgery and then rehabilitation. You have a good attitude. There's so much negativity on the war that I decided I could either be bitter or better. And I chose to be better. After 13 major operations, the doctors put down their knives. And I was left with three inches on my right leg and 11 on the left. My weight had dropped from 185 pounds to less than 80. But Connie wrote to me as she promised, and I couldn't wait to get home to see her again. Tim, you look great. So do you, Connie. Thanks for writing. Your letters meant more than you know. Oh, my pleasure. Are you home to stay? Sure am. I want to rest for a while. Then I'll look for a job. You have so much confidence. It's really true. With God, all things are possible. Still, it must be hard. At first, getting out of bed and into a wheelchair was hard. Then it was learning to drive with hand controls. Now I think I can do anything. Except run. <laughs> You're such an inspiration, Tim. Would you like to have dinner with me sometime? I was just gonna ask you to come for dinner after church. I already baked a pie. After a few weeks at home doing nothing, I became bored and went looking for a job. How'd the job interview go, Tim? At first, not so good. Where'd you go? Western Union. The guy pointed to a stack of 500 applications sitting on top of a filing cabinet. I told him if he would give me a chance, within two weeks I would be doing as well as other employees. If not, he could let me go. Good answer. He'd like my enthusiasm, so I start tomorrow. I learned the job, and Connie and I were married in April 1972 with my father performing the ceremony. 
In June, I was invited to speak at the high school graduation. I knew deep inside that God was calling me to preach the gospel, and Connie was very supportive. But other family members tried to discourage me because they didn't want me to face any more disappointment. They said ministry would be too difficult in my condition. Nevertheless, I went forward at the end of a Sunday night service. Why did you come forward, son? I believe God is calling me to preach, Dad. And I'm surrendering to his will. That doesn't surprise me. Brothers and sisters, my wife and I dedicated our son Tim to preach the gospel when he was born. Two weeks from tonight, he will preach his first sermon right here. I was an athlete in high school, but I was running from God. Let me tell you, there's no running from God. You see, I was saved when I was 10 years old, but as a teenager, I stopped living for Christ. Like the prodigal son, I went into the far country and lived for myself. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. But I put that out of my mind. There was another Marine who shared the gospel with others, but I didn't have the courage. I could lead men in battle, but couldn't lead them to Christ. I'm ashamed of myself for being ashamed of the gospel. Jesus said, for whosoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Christ died for my sins. The Bible says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And every believer has a duty to tell others the good news of God's salvation. I will never again run from that responsibility. From now on, I will tell whoever will listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In September 1974, I was ordained, and more than 60 men sat on my ordination council that day. My father preached the ordination message and often walked directly in front of me, pointing his finger in my face. Son, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. God called me to pastor a church in Delafield, Illinois, and then one in McLeansboro. And during the five years we spent in pastorates, God gave us a son and daughter. I went to a pastor school every year, and it was there that I met a pastor and invited him to preach at our church. He stayed at our home. He wants you to pray for 30 days? About what? About becoming an evangelist. You mean give up the pastorate? Yes. He thinks I would be effective at encouraging and challenging God's people to do more for God. He's right about that. But don't evangelists travel a lot? Yes, they do. What about our family? Will you pray about it too, Connie? We'll let the Lord lead us and he'll give us wisdom about this decision. 
After 30 days of prayer, God led us to Oklahoma City in January 1979. There I began my evangelistic ministry. Another daughter was born to us, and within a year we were holding revivals and patriotic meetings all across the country. In June 1984, I was scheduled to speak at a church in Oklahoma City. I sat on the platform as they played the Marine Corps hymn and watched as an old friend marched down the aisle to meet me. Simplify, Tim Lee. Simplify, Lee Gore. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I thought you were dead. Thank you, Jesus. This is fantastic. How'd you find me? Your ministry got my senator to call the Marine Corps. You saved my life that day in Vietnam. I prayed for you, brother. That's for sure. I remember blacking out and coming to on your lap with you holding me and crying and praying. I didn't see how you could live, but you did. I came to see you the next day on that hospital ship, and even the doctors didn't think you'd live. I went back and told the men that it didn't look good. God had other plans, Lee. He turned me into a soldier with a different sword. The Marine who had been fifth man back in our column during the minesweep came to one of our revivals some years back. He professed faith in Christ that night. Three years ago, the radio man on that minesweep came to our service and also professed faith in Christ. What a joy it was to lead these men to Christ to fight a different battle in the army of the Lord. It's nice to have you home again, Tim. It's great to be home again. Tomorrow's our wedding anniversary. 35 years. You are still the joy of my life, Connie. And you are mine. You did double duty while I was gone all those years, raising the kids without me. You were always with us in spirit. I tried not to miss birthdays and sporting events. Our children and grandchildren are gifts from God. He is faithful, that's for sure. I can say with Job, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For he maketh sore and bindeth up, he woundeth, and his hands make whole. Only a preacher would quote scripture to his wife on their anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> How's this? Thank you, Lord, for giving me such a wonderful wife and family. I've had both my shoulders rebuilt as a result of using them in place of legs. I've also had four stents put in my heart. Otherwise, my health has been good since leaving the Naval Hospital in 1971. I preach the gospel to the lost and revival to the local church. I have talked with thousands of Vietnam veterans over the years, many of them still fighting a war that ended long ago. I know the answer to their problem, and his name is Jesus. He is the captain of our souls. Listening friend, Christ died for your sins to secure God's forgiveness and give you eternal life in heaven. If you need help in this crucial decision, call 1-888-NEED-HIM or write us and we'll send you some literature to help you in this most important decision of your life. The address, Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607.
Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast, and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. And now, the moment you've been waiting for, it's time to announce the winner of the sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque. Again, to remind you of the prize, the scripture on this particular plaque is Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the winner is, drumroll please, Michael Hall. Congratulations, Michael. We hope this plaque encourages you daily. Okay, folks, keep an ear out because next week we'll announce a new sweepstakes drawing. That'll be your next opportunity to enter and potentially win one of these beautiful reminders of God's Word. And next time... Oh, it's really ours, isn't it, honey? Not bad for our first home. Who are our neighbors? Family next door. That widow lady Marie lives just across the street. And what about the Boo Radley house next to hers? Well, I think it's abandoned. Can't imagine anyone living there. Little did Mike Adkins know when he moved into his new home that one of his neighbors was Weird Norman. Yeah! The old eccentric every town seems to have. It would be the beginning of a years-long friendship where both men would learn what it really means to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you remember who I am, Norman? Do you remember who I am, Norman? I'm your neighbor. I'm your neighbor. Did you ever think about asking Jesus to come into your heart? I've given it serious consideration. Don't miss the true story of Mike Adkins and a man called Norman, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Tim Lee Part 2 were Jeff Parker, Tom Geich, Lisa Keefe, Michael Martin, Amanda Markeski, and Demetrius Troy. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Recording engineer, David Pierchinski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler and Jack O'Dell. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs> <laughs>